0: Hey, I cooked. Actually, it's still in the oven right now, but I made a John Wayne casserole. It was a hit. It was a hit back in the day. Mm. The kids loved it. One month, I did nothing but casseroles every night of the week, and (laughs) the kids picked out one of their favorites, and the John Wayne casserole was my lady's, and she picked it tonight, and I was like, holy shit, we haven't had that since casserole month.
1: You are listening to the Singleton Noise Podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network. Signals and Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones, as well as the A131 and A133 large diaphragm studio condenser microphones at audixusa.com. Alan and Heath has asked us to read this. These witty little intro spots are surprisingly tricky to write. Maybe we'll try a joke this time. Knock, knock. Who's there? Who? Who's there? Who? Who, who? Who? Who let the dogs out?
2: I'm trying to hype my. Welcome back to the signal to noise.
0: Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on.
2: The video thing is a really elegant solution to the talking over each other. <laughs> no, it, still
0: doesn't, it still doesn't work. It still we doesn't work. We still talk
3: work. all over each other. <laughs>
0: We've all kind of got our role now. I'm just like the Ed McMahon.
3: (laughs) Kyle Turnside, uh, who is everybody, man? Introduce us. Ladies and
0: gentlemen, all the way from Rome, New York, Michael Lawrence. (laughs) Yeah. Holy cow.
3: Wow.
0: Wow. Wow. Cuts off so abruptly. That's nice.
1: And well, I, but, I thought that was gonna fade out when I hit the button, but it didn't didn't work the way I wanted it to. Do. What about Chris? All the Leonard? way from
0: Baltimore, Maryland, via Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Chris Leonard. Is that right?
1: Philadelphia
0: I mean you're outside yes. of Philly.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, I'm I'm i I'm, I'm just south of Philly, yeah, basically. And and uh welcoming back
3: our guest this week, my good friend Mr. Daniel Miras. Yes. Do we have like some soothing oh, oh, okay oh, 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 I was gonna oh, say like some so- soothing oh, piano or something? Yeah. very good we just
1: lost 32 listeners all right this is 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 why we don't do this stupid if
3: you're listening to this though if you're listening to this we are celebrating a quarter million downloads and that's fucking awesome 3k members too i was i was a little bit preempted but it happened
0: this this week week. we had 113 (laughs) members added this week crazy pants
1: yes yes no it's freaking awesome love it congrats guys probably over probably over 300 at this point in discord as well
3: yeah yeah it's a good time so uh daniel ramirez we had you on the show way back what was the episode did you look it up kyle 40 something 42
2: i guess yeah 41, 41 42 okay, I I think. Was pretty. that was a pretty good guess. must have that was been 10 uh, march
3: 2020 from what i remember the conditions it it, it was <laughs> and and since then you've gone back out with the wood brothers back out with the wood brothers uh, full time i came out to to catch a show i really enjoyed myself thanks for having me thanks for
2: coming um uh, it was a lot of
3: fun. We're still, I they, think that
2: was our first show
3: back. We were still getting our bearings a little bit. They sound great, man. It's 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 uh it's got to be such a fun act to work with. It's just so organic, you know.
2: Yeah, I love it.
3: Um it can
2: be I always warn people when I'm hiring them uh that you have to learn to accept um broken stuff. Noise, <laughs> you know, like you're not going to fix all the noise. The, the the these are guys that are literally like inspired by broken things
0: garbage yeah the way it should be
2: yeah (laughs) you still have the broken di with you uh we still use the broken di did we talk about this last time yeah yeah uh you know we've got an amp that uh we're not yet replacing because we can tell it's about to break and it sounds so awesome
1: when it's about to break <laughs> <laughs> That's all, it's always the gold right right before the tubes blow right before exactly. all those things is when it sounds the best right exactly
2: yeah. so yeah we're back to where we were and it feels it
1: feels great to be
2: back was it
3: was it you know what was the kind of reacclimation process for you were you quick were you just kind of jump back into it or did you take some time to get your bearings or how did you feel about that
2: uh, from a technical perspective or from an emotional perspective? Yeah, mental or whatever. Yeah, yeah both. <laughs> Let's do the whole thing, man. How much did I, you
1: cry? Let's be serious.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I cried. I'm, I'm, I won't lie. I, there was a day when we were about to go back on tour. And, uh, you know, this was, this was at a time when we had all, for a moment, started to feel like uh, we were going to put the whole pandemic thing in the rearview mirror. And then, uh, you know, everything started going up and everybody started instituting these p- new protocols and everything and stuff started to get a little weird again. And, and there were definitely times when I was gearing up for that tour after a year and a half at home with the kids and everything that I was like blasting music in my house, dancing and trying to get hyped up for live music. And uh, I think there were tears shed at one point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, But, you know, it just... We all joked about it, but it was really true. Like every everybody was kind of just getting back to things at that point, and you know everything seemed to kind of take twice as long. I hadn't been at my desk uh, since March thirteenth, twenty twenty. I don't I don't keep it locally here, and although I have a production house here that I sometimes go in and do programming on and stuff, I, I didn't bother to because I figured you know I've been doing this for years. But and there are you definitely moments.
1: I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Oh, oh shit.
0: Yeah, right, right down like, the street. Freaking,
1: yeah. I don't know, two hours from me at, at most. Yeah.
0: They have a yep. cozy downtown area. It's very nice.
2: I'm in that cozy downtown area right now. Yeah, I like nice. that. I have, a, I have a studio on the north side of downtown that I rent in an old church.
0: Do you have any wow, Amish cool. furniture? <laughs>
2: uh, no, I have Amish uh, friends.
0: That's but dope too. Shoot,
1: that's it. better than. <laughs> that's better Are than they within that. arm's reach? <laughs> <laughs>
3: They're not within arm's reach. No. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So let's. I guess we're going to do it. Daniel, what's the coolest thing you have within arm's reach? The coolest thing I have within arm's reach. Let me look around. Uh, Pretty good background. You're in yeah. a studio. That's cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's not much within arm's reach, though. Um,. This is probably the most interesting thing within. This arms is range.
1: radio. They can't see how far your arms reach. We wouldn't have told
2: them. Well, <laughs> I've got this piece of paper, which uh, is still on my desk as just a piece of note taking paper, but it was like the map. You guys can see it.
0: Yeah. It's sort oh, of a yeah. map
2: I built of the room when I was trying to determine placement for speakers and treatment and stuff like that when I was first building this last year. Nice. So it's the predicted modes in the room and a little schematic of how I thought things were going to go. In reality, uh, I don't want to say it was worthless, but there are a lot of surprises and moments <laughs> of
0: discovery
2: <laughs> when I actually got in here and started building. You made but the attempt, the though. That's dope. Interesting
0: thing. That's dope yeah. that you even like visually thought that out before. I'm sure you did a lot of standing and clapping and all kinds of goofy stuff
2: yeah there's a lot of that and then there's just a lot of modeling based on wavelengths and, and room dimensions and stuff like that because it's basically a uh, big concrete uh, rectangle it's got concrete walls on all sides that, so. that's
0: very friendly to reinforce sound and
2: <laughs> <laughs> just like all the clubs that's, that yeah I that's all the clubs
0: i used to work at holy cow. <laughs> Yeah, sunshine theater it- shout out to sunshine theater in new mexico the biggest concrete theater ever Almost nice. and the Aragon, love that one too. It's great.
1: There's a there, oh man, there's a Aragon there's like I've a done. there's I like think, a basement club that's in I want to say um in like Louisville, Kentucky, where like uh, I think it's Louisville. Call you might know this. So it's like and it and it uh the condensation area almost like rains because oh uh, it's. Uh it it it's so like it's such a concrete box dank. and all the sweaty mess in there everything and, uh, is, it it is dank. tiny. Terrible. If they
0: hang up flyers, they just like slide off the wall by
1: the end of the night. Is that a tiny <laughs> place, Chris? Is it was somewhat like so it was I 200 disturbed, but No. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean maybe probably a little more than that. But I mean it was um like we a was hippie to, we we're doing like a Jaeger tour, so it was like a smaller, like club club style tour. I don't remember where it was. I think it was Louisville. I can't remember. i don't remember. Definitely did a weird basement show in Louisville once. Yeah, there was like a restaurant was like a restaurant and everything upstairs. Um, um, I
0: don't know. Home of one of That's the most it. influential hardcore music festivals ever, called Crazy Fest, and it was there for a long time. And this band called Endpoint was like the Louisville hardcore band that everyone was like, "Yeah, it's my jam." What a crazy little town. Yeah concrete is no joke to reinforce. So mm-hmm. what kind of stuff did you find out about that room then? The ceiling or just like angles or?
2: You know, it's it's pretty large. So um, you don't have a lot of, of terrible modal activity. Most of it is like really low in the in the sub frequencies, you know. Um, but what you know, there's sort of a it's an old classroom. So there's like a coat closet that creates like a little base trap, which is kind of interesting. And then there's windows all along one side. Um, So I did a lot of experimenting when I first came in with like, well, what if I open the windows, you know, like does that create a giant base base trap for me, you know? And it it turned out to not make as much of a difference as I thought. But what I did is I kind of did this room within a room thing so I'm basically in a big concrete box, and then I got a truckload of um, acoustic bats and uh, awesome. a couple huge rolls of burlap, and I built four walls that are eight feet tall, and I put my mixing station in there, and then the rest of the room is sort of like a, a workshop
0: You'll have to give us a walkthrough, man. That always sounds like a cool idea. Every time I drive by an old church or school, I'm like, man, how could you repurpose that to be like a house slash studio slash rehearsal? Well,
1: uh, Aud- Audrey, uh, we had her on. Yep. I mean, they they yeah. lit- legitimately bought a church and gutted it and and made it into a recording studio, and one of the coolest things that she did when they did that, though, is they wanted to kind of preserve the sound of the church before they, you know, started building into it, and so they took an impulse response of the church so they can use that as a reverb of what the church <laughs> used to be, you know, when they were, you know, mixing stuff. So that, that that's pretty cool. Dope.
2: That's super cool. I just saw a church for sale up in uh up in like the endless mountains area of rural northern Pennsylvania. And I had an inkling.
0: The Appalachians. The Apple up.
2: <laughs> it's it's sort of up there in the northern part of the
0: Appalachians. We call him. The- you- coolest oh, thing, with you. Oh, that's we, true. Yeah, go I'm Robin here. Right. I am cooking a, a Thanks for John keeping us on Caster task. Yeah, I was going to bring it, but it wasn't done yet. Uh, I got a globe. That's the only, the only reason oh. I had the globe is because I had to get my readers out, and that's how you know when you're old is that you need a pair of readers with your contacts. So I was, I was trying to show Kemper Wait, stuff on the globe.
1: What? Oh okay, okay there you finish okay, I'm like wait you had to get the globe up because you're readers you didn't finish the statement but there was yes yeah, Kemper, that makes Kemper more and sense I had to get I just easy. saw in the
2: news yesterday that they have eye drops now that you can use as readers. You put them what? in once what? you put them in once a day and it creates a, a sort of bubble film over your eyes that act as oh, reading glass. It's the future now that's I, amazing.
0: I have a feeling and and this is right Pre-COVID, I was going to get that LASIK plus surgery or whatever and get mine corrected. But I think uh, Mm -hmm. my eyes are worse than my ears were affected by touring. And that's from being in the dark all the time and back of amp racks and back of consoles and going from light to dark all the time. I think I'm blaming that. On my my poor eyesight is what I'm saying.
1: (laughs) I've got early onset. Nothing to do with genetics. Early onset
2: OLD.
0: (laughs) OLD. You should read the side effects. It's awful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> first word diarrhea <laughs>
3: all right all right let's keep it back on the track
1: uh chris leonard cool single arms reach for you um so i uh, cleaning we're pulling all the christmas stuff out of the basement which means you pull yeah. out all the containers and then you found like like my i found like my box of like childhood savings things or whatever
0: mm-hmm. and so
1: i found my first cell phone which was wow, which was a, it's a ne- a Nextel flip phone um, 99 maybe I'm not sure. I don't, I don't. know. I have to look, look up and see the model. But it, anyway, it was yeah. It just gas or diesel. It's, it's that fucker taste. <laughs> it, it, the fucker. But the biggest thing was like the whole like nextel, like the whole like beep beep, you know, like chirp thing. Yeah. Like, cause my, and my brother was like a, a state trooper at the time when I was um when I got I was like probably in high school when I got this maybe, um and uh and so like the all the state troopers all had them so you know my you know it was it was fun to mess with whatever so sweet yeah. Did it have the walkie talkie? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has, uh um, yeah, the trip. It has the trip button on the side here. Yeah,
0: yeah. Those were yep. those were dope. That was pre-Snake yeah. too, on the Nokia. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. And then it was Snake, and then it was the Razor. Yeah, Razor which promptly broke when I got. I got a book. Uh, it's called Crossings. It's by Alex Landrigan. Uh, Landrigan. I don't know. Um, wh- what I find interesting about this book is that it has in the beginning of it. It's a. It's a fiction. It's it's a a story that's. Uh, it's a fictional collection of three three manuscripts, but there's an alternative chapter order in the beginning of the book, and you can read it in a non linear fashion, and it sort of highlights how the how the stories are linked together. It's kind of like um, the choose I, your
1: own stories, where like if you're a ninja, yeah, you want to fight this guy. Yeah, it's like the, growing you... up, choose your own adventure, yeah. basically.
3: Yeah. Um And I just I like that because it sort of challenges our idea of what a book is. You know, it's just conceptually it's interesting. So that's what I have. Um, all right, so I think I want to. We want to jump back into the, the audio talk now that Kyle's told everyone about his digestive problems. Um, <laughs> I was Kyle, you know, they have yogurts for I was that, right? Kidding. <laughs> um, Daniel, when you guys went back out, did you change anything about your rig or your setup, or is it just the same package that you had before?
2: Uh, good question. I think that we just took off where we took off where we left off. I think um, mm-hmm. there were some changes in back line with the guys but my mic package my desks uh my um my recording and playback device everything is pretty much the same and i think that was sort of by design like on on one hand it seemed like a great opportunity to reinvent things but on the other hand i think everybody was feeling um you know a little unfamiliar and they thought that the Mm. familiarity would be good um and And also, I actually in June was the band's first couple weeks out, and I needed to get a sub for that. I couldn't make it. Uh, so part of it was handing him a rig that I could kind of describe over the over the phone right. so that he could just kind of do it as a substitute rather than reinventing the wheel himself.
3: You do have a pretty elegant solution, I, and I'll just recap it quick for people who maybe haven't listened to the previous episode, which they should, because it's interesting. Um, you, you, you do all the monitors in front of house, Correct. all the ears, Correct. and uh, you've got every input coming into the desk split multiple ways, so you have a straight up patch split inside your console for every single uh, musician on stage, so everyone can have their own EQ and their own whatever, and uh, you're just dumping out different pop groups. Correct. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a really cool use of the, of the real estate on your Pro X.
2: Yeah, it works out really great. Um, The one thing I did change is I started using that Midas the the internal system processor plugin that they have in there. Oh yeah, that was really the only. pretty
3: powerful, actually. That was really
2: the only change, but um, it's been it's been great for um, for sound checks and system tuning and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, we're going. We're starting to talk about the summer right now, and um, what we want to do about monitors because in the summertime, a lot of times we. You know, we end up doing larger venues as part of package tours and stuff like that. Um, And there's something, I think, just sort of like uh, intuitively intimidating about running monitors in larger venues like that from front of house. But we were trying to figure out why exactly we would need to add a monitor desk, and I don't think we're going to do it. You know, the, everybody's just so comfortable with what we, the way we do it, and you know, to be fair, I do have a, an A two slash backline tech that hangs outside stage with an iPad, and we have the router over by him, so you know, he usually doesn't have any connectivity issues or anything like that. So we we get a little help, but perfect. It just feels wrong to not have a monitor desk in a ten thousand person venue, but <laughs> we're trying to figure out what the uh, what the actual reason would be when we're pretty much happy with the rig, and and I think we're just going to forgo it.
3: It's I bet it. I mean, your in has got to go faster. Your loadout's got to go faster. You just you have less moving parts. Your your TM as well. You're still TM, right? I am, with them? Yeah. So I mean, it's got to be. Less stuff for you to keep an triple eye on. Dip. Also, yeah, I'm triple dipping. Sorry, guys. <laughs> triple dip. <laughs>
2: Speaking of which, I don't know if you guys know Luke Stratton uh, from DopaPod. Yeah,
3: was, I went to college with Luke. Did actually. you? I, I just saw yeah. that he
2: put something on socials that he was leaving that position. But that reminds me of him. I used to, I used to bust his chops relentlessly about doing uh, audio and lights. I was like, you can't, you can't do this to us man this is like a precedent that we're not ready to <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: ready it's to one thing to be to. <laughs> tm F in front of house or pm in front of house but adding the lights in there nope that's where we draw the line no. yeah
2: and uh, <laughs> you know one thing i do Jeez. and uh you know it's going to sound kind of like I'm dissing myself, but one one change that we do made it. internally talking talking to me and my team this year is uh, I started intentionally white-gloving the ins and the outs a little bit more um, just because it allows me to do some dedicated time on the TM tip. When I get into a venue, I can kind of go in, you know, I'll suss out the room with the guys, we'll chalk out the stage and, and stuff like that. And then, uh, and then I'll just disappear, and um, you know, do all the TM stuff that you know, I'm typically trying to like swe- squeeze into the track, squeeze into the cracks, and um, can sort of be distracting throughout the day, you know. And the guys encouraged me to do that, and they said, you know, it's kind of nice, you know. And I checked in with them. I said, I feel bad doing this. This is like not in my not in my nature, you know. And they continue to encourage me they say you know it actually it actually goes better that we know exactly how much time you have to spend on production every day rather than you kind of coming in as much as you can and mm. it being different every day you know so uh and and i find that it actually helps with the house crews too um you know that they can see that that's what's going on right off the bat that i'm just like hey i'm i'll be here for sound check you know, (laughs) and it's not to say I'm not willing to help. You know, I, I definitely always, um, excuse me, always, uh, try to run in and, you know, help tip the console. If it looks like it's something that's going to take more than a couple people that day or whatever, but, uh, it's actually kind of helped and it's made my life a lot easier. And the guys, uh, tell me that they enjoy it.
0: Soothing. You, You take on all that stuff, man. You need a second. Like, uh, Doing it for an extended amount of time, setting up your office. How many band members? Four?
2: There's three three band members and uh five crew if you include the driver.
0: There you go. So that's a lot of people to take care of. Make sure they get where they gotta go. I mean, that becomes important on the end as well, you know, is getting your artist sorted out. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes, man.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I used to just be, I used to just be afraid of doing it because it's such like a, you know, such, such a bad rap to have sometimes. Do you, you enjoy know, like, being uh, the tour
0: manager? I mean, I'm sure you have to play bad guys sometimes, you know?
2: Oh, I certainly do. I certainly do. But I, 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 um, yeah, I do enjoy being the tour manager. Uh, it's a lot of work and, you know, especially with like a growing family and stuff, uh, more and more interested in like having as much time off when i get home uh, compared to what i used to but the way i've been thinking about it lately is like the first you know decade and a half or whatever of my career was kind of like really learning everything it takes to be a tm and a pm and a and a front of house person and the last uh four or five years have been uh about Getting, you know, building what it takes uh, qu- more quickly and more efficiently and trying to find ways to free up, free up some time and free up some stress.
3: You kind of had a, like a sweet spot, too, in terms of the size of the production, because if it were smaller, you didn't have as many crew. I think that'd be harder. And, and then if it was, you know, 12 trucks, you know, like yeah. it seems like like it's it's a, it's a manageable nugget. We, I to, feel to like to we've on. been.
2: Yeah, we've been, you know, in our discussion. I mean, it used to be smaller. We've added a few people over the years. They They kept it small for a long time. Um, and we feel, you know, and this kind of goes back to what we were saying about, about the monitor desks. is like, we we've sort of perpetually felt for a while that we're sort of like on the cusp of, uh, the type of production that you can handle double, triple dipping on without it causing problems, you know? And I, I think I said this last time I was on, obviously a lot of that comes down to having a great team behind you that that you can rely on to be handling everything every day so that you don't need to micromanage or, or worry too much, you know? So props to them. Um, so we've sort of for a long time felt like we were on this cusp of like, uh, you know, I might have to choose a path there. You know, do I sort of follow my passion of, of being a front of house mixer and the the creative, you know, getting my creative thing out, um and my technical thing out, or would it be better because the band trusts me so much and um, seems to get good feedback about me to to stay in sort of a management role? And every time we feel like we're about to cross that precipice, uh, we decide to just keep going, and it keeps being fine.
0: So <laughs> we're just doing
1: it. I'm curious. Uh, so, um, so mixing wise, so your so your drummer is he still using the um open open face open face kick? Uh,
2: yes, we still use an open face kick. He modified it a little bit uh, recently to have a, <laughs> a plywood sort of a semi circle piece of plywood that's bolted onto the shell to hold his uh, pillow and vintage Afghan that that dead in the head for him.
1: So, um, is, what's, I mean, what's, what's that like? I mean, I know that's, I mean, it's one thing in the studio, I, I understand the vibe of their music and how that, that fits into the music, but from a live mm-hmm. standpoint, I feel like that could just become a bass trap and be interesting to, to work with. What's it like to work with that open, that open kick? Like, I have, actually you, have, usually... you had, have you had to mess with like mics and stuff with it? And we've and played around good. Sorry. We've, we've played around with, we've
2: played around with mics. Uh, I used currently and for the last few years, I've used the Telefunken M82. Um, and mic positioning is a huge part of it, especially because he's like, you know, and this is another thing that we actually talk about a lot on the road because he is a real vibe player, you know, like he's really going for a vibe with his sounds and, um, The open kick drum thing, you know, what it does that's kind of nice is it creates a pretty, a a fairly dead sound, you know? And I think it's great, and I think it's really versatile. Um, But he sometimes wonders, like, you know, should I get something that has a little bit more character going? Mm. Because he sometimes listens to live recordings, and he's like, yeah, it sounds good, but... I, you know i feel like he wants it to have a little bit more of a, a vibe or a weirdness or just be unique in some way and i keep you know i keep telling him man it sounds great and it does everything that i want a live kick drum to do and none of the things that i don't want a live kick drum to do you know and the the thing with really vibey kick drums is they can be awesome for a song or two but you know a vibey kick drum might actually just mean it has like a really wild ring at 250 or something. <laughs> you know?
3: And, I, and I, I've seen I've seen them play twice now, and I have to say, it totally works. Like it, I I remember last time, like soundcheck started, I was like, yep, that. Like as soon as he hit the drum, I was like, yep, that's it. Like that's it's perfect for what it is. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's a really unique sound. It's a very cool texture. It fits. It's solid, but it's not like taking over. I mean, I I think I think it's really cool. It's very unique. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. That that. what's the what's the thing called the little tambourine thing that he's got the pandero yeah that is a cool sound thing more signature pandero it's a really just unique collection of interesting sounds that he he does yeah i i think it's a real cool treat people
2: accuse that one of being a trigger all the time because it looks like such a dinky little thing and i've got a 421 under it and it's one of the few things that i'm routing to the subs i'm still a subs on the ox guy Um, it's one of the few things that I'm sending in there. And when he hits it, it's just like, boom, you know? Yeah. Um, The other thing that we've been talking about with the drummers kit is uh, it gets to be a little bit of like a rat chasing its tail with us because, you know, I'm all, he's, he's, he says that he has this in the studio too, where he's always trying to like, sort of do these kind of things that take it into that sort of vintagey vibe, you know, like open, open heads and trashy symbols and stuff like that. And then uh, he runs into studio engineers a lot that are like trying to do the same thing, but with their mics and they, so they end up kind of like doubling up the, the <laughs> effort. And we run into that a little bit as he's like changing his kit, you know, like he used to have these high hats. They're like really great detailed killer hats. They sounded great, but it was a little too, um, I don't know, just a little too, Just a little too detailed or something to jive with the rest of his kit. So I've been miking it with just a 57 for years to just take some of that transient detail out and smooth it out a little bit. Now he came back and he's got these really, really trashy hi hats. Mm -hmm. And I want to put like a really detailed condenser on him now to, to pick up some of that, you know? Where I joke all the time, like my most expensive mic on the stage is on Oliver's $60 pawn shop guitar amp like a (laughs) six inch speaker you know but i want to capture every little detail of
3: that crappy little speaker (laughs) (laughs) can you talk about the big mic because i didn't see that the first time i saw you guys is that a new thing
2: uh no uh we've been doing it more outdoors though um you didn't see it at the where were we at the palace the first
3: time i don't think
2: yeah i don't think so I wonder if we didn't do it for that night for some reason. We usually do do it, but we use a uh, we use the um, Ear Trumpet Labs Myrtle, and the guys do the, do a thing usually for like two songs every set where they um, they come up to the front of the stage, all gather around one mic. When it works, it works great. When it doesn't work, uh, it usually means you have a really chatty chatty room uh, <laughs> because you know there are certain limitations. To having guys with acoustic guitars behind a large diaphragm condenser mic on the lip that's of the very, stage, very
1: but, uh, bluegrass or folk folk style, yeah. very
2: bluegrass it, and folk style. And since this is an audio nerd podcast, I'll I'll admit here and nowhere else that there is an additional mic on the acoustic bass that
1: I cheated in nice. just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, there we go.
3: That's what no, i talking
1: I had to do. I had to do um, like this festival, like uh, Don't barbecue tell the normies. Festival. <laughs> <laughs> I did this barbecue festival up in uh, like New York Botanical Gardens, and um, and it was like you a-
3: had to do a barbecue festival. That sounds like a great time.
1: Yeah. Well, sorry, yeah. Well, yeah, right. no, it wasn't a hat. No, actually, <laughs> actually, they had, um, they had smoked lamb, um, oh. which was freaking amazing. Um, Twist, he's vegan. <laughs> 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 um but so there was like this folk and like in the- one one of the groups was like insisted on like the whole like one one microphone in the center of the stage and like i don't necessarily come from that world and i'm like you guys are freaking ridiculous like no, like no way and i'm like all right here's what it is and like i'll be honest like I still didn't care for it, right? Like they were happy, but I was like, "Man, this is, this is not what it could be, man." But I was like, "Whatever, like this is what this is the, the what they wanted." So yeah, yeah, I've I've gotten blowback about that. There there was a while
2: that the band was insisting that any kind of like radio promo type stuff that we did uh, was just through that setup, uh, just because they were getting really frustrated with. Um, you know usually you don't get the opportunity to mix those things yeah it's the mm. it's the radio station person that's mixing <clears throat> and you know sometimes you get the chance to do an approval or revisions or whatever but they were just getting frustrated by a lot of mixes that they felt didn't reflect what they were going with for their sound so they just made a decision to just we're just doing everything like that when it comes. Right, but to in the, radio. But in those scenarios, you don't up.
1: have a giant PA right next to the freaking microphone. You know I mean, like I'm True. on like an SL100 <laughs> doing this festival, yeah. right? And you know, I'm 25 feet at best from a freaking line array or whatever. Yeah. You know, and then it's like the, so in the studio, in a little jazz club, or you know, or a radio show. Sure, that worked perfectly. But and I got yeah. this anyway. Yeah. Well, what I was saying though is we get we get I get blowback from engineers that are
2: like really looking forward to their awesome mic placement and awesome mix, and I'm like, sorry, no, we're doing it all on one mic. (laughs) And they listen back and they'll kind of like side eye you, like, yeah, I I mean, I guess it sounds (laughs) all Uh but (laughs) I can tell they're thinking more about how awesome of a job
3: they could have done with it if they had their way. It, it, I mean, it's a cool moment in the show. It really, it it's a totally different like reality for lack of a better word like you 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 lean into it you kind of refocus the audio that kind of the distance between the performer and the listener kind of changes for that people kind of it's cool you know
2: yeah totally and and from an audio perspective to what you were saying chris like it might not sound as incredible as you know i can make stuff sound when there's lots of mics and lots of details and everything It's, it's the vibe but it goes. It, it's the vibe, and also it's a really good example of, um, you know, how well your ear gets used to something. Mm. You know, like, yep. It it, it sounds. You know, I, maybe I'm thinking about it more than your average audience member is as far as audio. But you know, some, sometimes they'll end with just like this incredible rocking song, and I've got thirty inputs just pumping, and the PA's rocking. Rooms reverberating just the way you want it, <clears throat> and they drop down to this one mic, and it might sound a little bit, um, a little bit uh, anti-climactic or something, you know, and a little thin or something, you know. There's no proximity or anything, you know. It's and uh, if the if the audience quiets down and you get a minute or two with it, by the time you get through the end of the song, you like almost wish they won't go back to the
1: Mm.
2: big fancy mic setup you know because it really just sounds like three guys in in a room playing music together you know without any studio magic as the simpsons called it
3: (laughs) so all right and this is something i meant to ask you last time and i've been thinking about it uh so you know you have sort of the thing that fish has and that umphreys has where you have tapers that come to the show and they set their rigs up and they you know, I love those little umbrellas that they have that go on their super tall mic stands yeah. and and they try to get as close as they can to the position, and they set their, their rig up and that stuff's on archive.org. And so you have a lot more permanence to your work hmm. than the average live event where you just mix it and then it's gone. You put it in the truck, you know, and it's a very fleeting thing. I mean, your stuff is it's out there, man. It's on the record. You know, it's it's becoming like the legacy of this group and the fans go back and listen to it. I mean, have you thought about the difference in in the the permanence of that?
2: Well, now I am.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Michael. (laughs) Thanks for the.
2: uh, Oh, we'll put the link in the comments
0: section below. Thursday afternoon.
2: (laughs) Well, it's no. It's interesting. I think it's. I think it's great. Uh, I've actually been thinking about it a lot lately because I multi-track every show myself, and I have a stereo pair out front. And even as a, um, you know, pretty well informed. Uh, pretty well experienced audio engineer. I feel like when I listen back to those stereo pairs, I'm always surprised, you know? And I've been meaning to reach out to some tapers that I think get consistently good results and talk to them about like what their thought process is about what height they're putting them at, what splay they're putting them at, et cetera, et cetera. Because
0: what um, if they just say I'm on it, ass it's just all over set the place. them up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: done
3: well they've got like one dude had (laughs) electrosonics man this dude had this dude had electrosonics pack like that's you don't buy that if you're just interest like casually interested like these people
2: do it oh really? they're serious
0: do you give them board feeds if they ask you never never
2: i don't want to say never I should say never, just in case anyone's listening. But I mean, <laughs> very occasionally, if it's someone that's like tight yeah, with the band, and we know we All can right, trust them when saying, they say it's How much does not- it cost? <laughs>
1: if, someone is, if someone is, listening, how much does it cost? Wink, wink,
0: a bag of Sargento a- cheese cubes.
3: Uh, <laughs> the, well, I, you know, I, it was interesting because when I when I came out to the second time, there were I saw two two tapers in front of the house, and I went and looked for those. And listen to them, and I kind of want to see which one I like better and, and kind of hear it through those lenses, you know? And, it, it, and what it's was your experience with it? Did you, did you do it? I did do it. I It was interesting because at the time I was studying, and I'm still studying to some degree, the effect of applause on uh, like sound level monitoring measurements and stuff. Sure, yeah. and so we're, we're looking at being able to detect when it's the, you know, the people screaming for Bieber that set the alarm off and not the band. So Right. I was like, I want to hear how the audience cheering comes through on the two mix Mm -hmm. PA, you know, and and just kind of hear, hear what that's like. And I was comparing it to the, to the log files. And it's just interesting, but it's, it's definitely a very, um, it's kind of like when you think about times square and you're like, wow, yeah, there's the ball coming down and there's dazzling, you know, it's it'll probably be right about new years when people listen to this. Right. So, um, and then you go to New York City, and you actually see it, and it, you're like, "It's that? Is that tiny little thing? Like <laughs> right there? Like, like the mental framing of the two mix versus being at the show is totally different, man. It's yeah. it's a, it's it's really interesting. Just from a, I'm, a, I'm in a very non technical mindset tonight. It's really interesting.
2: Enjoy as well like last. I like it.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you probably experienced it. They probably sounded. Remarkably different, right? And yeah, and these guys so. were both probably set up within four feet of each other, and yep. they they probably both had different microphones, but they probably were both
1: very high quality oh, yeah.
3: microphones. Mm-hmm.
1: Are they are they treating it at all afterwards? Do you know? Is that what is the common method of a taper? Do they limp, literally just or, or are any of them doing any compression EQ and stuff? Usually they, they, they it?
3: say it says in that we could put a link in the description of the show if anyone's interested in checking it out, but. They say what they usually. They just slice it into tracks. They pretty much don't do much generally. Um, that was something I was lo- I was looking at. You know, I kind of I went on a deep dive one afternoon and I was just looking at you know different recordings from the same show and how different they sound. And that's it, kind of a fun that's thing. A, to do that's the thing we should ask
0: Terry about. Is Pearl Jam does a recording every night and they have it for sale, like almost literally right yeah. after. Doesn't Humphreys do that too? Yeah, Humphries does like, that. Too. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah.
1: Vertical Horizon did it too when I saw them. But so, oh wait, so here's
0: here's much, the thing. Yeah. I hate I hate
1: uh, I, hate I like live Vertical
0: music Red. on recorded format though. <laughs> it, it's just like, yeah, I, I'm not I, a fan. I agree. Like, there's been a few albums live that I was like, wow, that's really stunning. Like, that's a st- um, Rick, I agree. Yeah, live like, at BudaCon, Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, because what I can't stand about um about live records um I. because we listen to things differently like i can hear the stage i can hear the room i can hear all the things i don't want to hear on a record like Mm. you know i mean um maybe if i was visually watching it at the same time different um you know like if i'm watching a rage against machine you know youtube video or something like that or whatever but like um But if I'm just sitting in my car, like I don't, I don't know, man. It it, it takes a. There's very few live albums where, like, yeah, this is this is the vibe I want. That's
3: the thing. Is it is it like an autograph where, like, it doesn't mean anything to somebody else, but it's sort of this thing to yourself that you remember, like how I felt when I met this celebrity. It's more like a memento token type of thing. That's why it's cool
0: to get the show that you're at. You know what I mean? Like, that's exactly the coolest thing about it. Is like I got the show where we were at, and that was a moment because we're so jaded sometimes we don't think that all these people like there's people out there that saved every dollar they could to get to that show they mm-hmm. they planned that mm-hmm. visit and the this, the the format that you guys work in with the umphrees and and the folk music and bluegrass and and everything that's going on right now those fans are legit like they love that show that they went to it's crazy like there's a guy I, I work with he's a catering guy and he listens to a grateful dead show that he was at when he was like 18 years old He was like man i was hmm. here with my parents like so hmm. there's something to it but i think as a, a live guy maybe you guys could answer this for me i like the air movement like it's the it's very yeah, it's tactile. tactile. Yeah. And like you said, you if you yeah. hear the stage or you hear someone yell over here or like they're doing crowd interaction stuff and people are like your guy walks to one side of the stage. That's the feeling that you can't get on that two track ever, you know, and 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 as a live guy, Absolutely. we're moving air. Our pants are moving, you know, like people are seeing <laughs> like there's something about the tactile emotion and light that just uh, never translates as well.
1: Well, just even – and not to mention just the, the osmosis of being in a crowd um, and and that relationship to the people around you, that right. th- the there's a – for lack of better terms, there's an energy there yeah. that you can't reproduce without being in that room, you know, and without any communication. It's just this, you know – fee- I mean, like, one of the, one of the coolest ex- live experiences I had as an audience – was um uh was drowning pool. Um they were playing like a B stage at the Ozfest um and it started torrential downpouring um and they're playing Let the Bodies hit the floor, all these circle pits break out and it's like, man, this is the embodiment of like this song, the movement of the people. Quite frankly, it probably didn't sound <laughs> very good. And it didn't matter. It didn't yeah. matter, right? Because it was that emotion that got invoked with the yeah. people connected with the music. It, yeah. Well, that's the thing.
3: Jamie and I were talking about this the other day, like at, like, I don't know, like midnight. And th- this idea now, of, you know, where we're seeing immersive sound and, you know, and f- five point hang, seven point hang. And it's trying to, like, put you in the middle of it. Jamie's like, no, the, the live event itself, like being in the room with thousands of people. He's like, that's, that's what's immersive beers. about a show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or $14, $14 if you're in Syracuse. Uh, but, you know, Kyle, I think that, like, the physical personification of what you're talking about yeah, is man. the set list. Yeah, like how J we get, right? Like we throw those fucking things out when we clean up at the end of the night. And there's someone in the front row who's going to yep. frame that fucking thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? The set light it's got, it's it's wet and it's got a footprint on it. And they're like, this is the greatest shit I've ever seen. I'm like, yeah, we, I threw seven of these away. Like that, that's kind of the physical embodiment of this idea of we're just so routine with, with these things. And they're so I, precious. I
0: think to Daniel people. too, the way that you mix, it, it would almost be called organic like you're really trying to capture every nuance that's happening on stage. So like you listening back to a two track, or like you said, your drummer listening back isn't going to reprim especially if you, if you say you have this drummer that lives on feel, like how is he going to be able to tell, like it, it's like the serotonin and the dopamine take over and you're like, Oh man, this thing sounds great. And you're like a half step off. You know what I mean? like,
2: yeah we've been talking about that too a lot about how you know it's so easy after a show you know i've gotten into the habit where right after the show you know part of this is because on tm as well you know i I run backstage for five minutes real quick before i go pack up front of house to go check in with the guys see how it went see if there's anything i kind of need to log in my mental file for later tomorrow or whatever and you know we have really figured out over the years that your immediate reaction to a show probably has more to do with like what you had. For dinner <laughs> I need to
0: know this theory.
2: What's going on at home, what's mm. going on at home and stuff like that. Then, then the show itself, because you can have three guys on stage that have three completely different feelings about, it, and then they all listen back to it later and feel three completely different yep. ways about it, you know? And I think it goes to how much emotion there is in a live music environment. You know, like I could be out there, loving the mix, loving the room, loving the crowd. But uh, you know, one of the guys on stage just wasn't feeling feeling it for for one reason or another and he thinks it was That's a cool thing to bring tour, up because you, know?
0: you have a lot of artists that you deal with. I mean, you're dealing with a bunch of different individuals and they can come out hot or they can come out cold, not together like and sometimes you don't even know the difference like I'm sure after a while you kind of get the feel of it though. And you're like, "Oh, yeah.
2: Especially if you get to know the 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 individuals really mm-hmm. well, and you remember to put your glasses on that night so you can see their detailed facial expressions.
1: Or put your eye drops in, or put your drops in. <laughs> your drops in. <laughs> my readers. Well, we, we we talked about this, I think, with somebody um, where they were um, they were very intentional before a show to like. Take everything out of your pockets, right? I do. Take that's that. me. That's, oh, was it you? Okay, right. So it's like. So what I was going to ask is like, and and um, you know, do you with, with someone who has to do so much? Your TMing, your front of house, and whatever. Do you ever take a minute to mentally prepare yourself right before, like? flush out and, and be in a headspace for that show is, is that a cognizant thing i don't know I mean, i'm kind of asking out of the blue but and that's it, that's something i think everyone else probably really should introspectively think about going into shows like how much are you getting in that in that headspace because of how well that can affect what's about to come
2: absolutely uh i don't have any really specific routines like that like what michael mentioned that i can that i can think of but um I've been practicing meditation since I was uh, like a young teenager. I used to have to go through a lot of like uh, medical procedures and stuff. I was really asthmatic as a kid. I spent a lot of time and I had like injuries from being a dumb boy, you know, and end up having to do a lot of like MRIs and CAT scans Mm. and stuff. And I remember it being really miserable. And I was also really getting into the Beatles at the time. And I started delving into meditation back then. And that's something that's kind of stayed with me and i do i don't want to say that i like meditate necessarily before the show every night or anything but i think that if you practice that sort of thing for long enough uh you do gain uh, a better control of your your mindset at times like that and and you can take a step back a little bit from everything else that's going on and the fight you had with the house production manager earlier (laughs) and your kid had a bad day at school or whatever and you can be there with the music and i'm not always perfect at it you know i'm not trying to brag on it or anything but i think that that skill set maybe takes the place of some of the sort of routines that you're talking about that might have so you have a
0: do you have a wind down after the show i know you go talk to the guys but is that your time to kind of like decompress for a second before you get back to after show food and ice and getting people
2: Um, I don't really tend to decompress until we're all back on the bus or, or, you know, out at the the local watering hole or whatever. I usually try to kind of stay on task until the trailer's locked.
3: You know, the the thing for me, though, is, is the mental gear shift. It's a similar thing between S E in front of house too. like, I mean, I was just when I was out doing the show last week with Denny. He was like, hey, I need to step away from the console because he's also PMTM he needs to go backstage and speak with the artist in the middle of the show at the end of the, he's like, you got to mix the last song. Cause I need to run backstage. And as soon as you get in front of that console, like my total headspace changes, the things that I'm focusing on and my, the way that my uh-huh. hearing perception is like the filtering touch through, the, like the touch you the desk stop listening. Trick. Yeah, it really, like <laughs> I, I, I literally am hearing the PA in a different way. And I'm, my brain is, is paying attention to different things. And it's, it, it's not a conscious thing. It was just, hey we're doing this now and now that your hands are on faders or now i'm listening to vocal versus guitar or whatever and before i was listening to like what's the transient doing on the top boxes like it was it's just a very different mental environment and it and it was it's something that the first couple times i was doing it earlier in my career it was it was a jarring transition and now i've gotten better at it but it really is different headspace you know
2: one thing we've been practicing on the road, uh, both on stage with the band and me as the uh, engineer, is not making uh, immediate rash decisions as soon as you hear something. You know, like the guys are all on in ears, which is sort of a weird, unnatural environment. You know, for for especially all especially the- for their music. Yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. But for for anybody, I mean, I'm in them now and. It, it doesn't sound the same as if you guys were in front of me, you know? Sure. But, Not immersive. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> so uh, what they've been doing and what I've been encouraging them to do is rather than popping the ears in and immediately like, oh, I need less bass. I need to snare up today, whatever, because of the way the room is just play for like five minutes. Uh, and I've been doing the same thing. You know, I was talking to you a little bit last night, Michael, about how, my uh my sort of system teching routine lately you know we don't carry a systems engineer or anything it's usually whoever comes with the room and uh we do and it's usually a permanent install or or at least a semi-regular install or something but anyway i put my trust that they have it at least mostly figured out that backfires occasionally, but <laughs> usually you hope that they've got it mostly figured out and there's not any real problems. And I've got about a 20, 25 minute playlist that I go through. Um, I don't even pink or anything anymore unless, unless I feel like I need to address problems, you know? And I, I put on that first song and where I used to just start grabbing the EQ right away. Uh, I try to just listen, for almost the entire first song, first, which kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about how used to things your ears getting mm-hmm. used to things your ears get, you know, like you might you might think something is a major issue uh, right out of the bat, but it's also probably the first time you've listened to something at ninety plus dB in twenty hours or whatever, you know. So, yeah,
3: that's huge. That's a huge point. I mean, I I had a very similar conversation with a local band that I I mixed for a long time. They would pop their ears in at the beginning of every rehearsal and every show and immediately play a chord and go, hey, Mikey, turn my guitar down or whatever. And I'd be like, tell me again after the first song. Yeah. Because I found that I would make those changes and then they'd play a song and then they'd ask for it all back. So I was just like, no, just get let yourself acclimate to your new environment now before we start changing stuff. And then when we started doing that... We literally went weeks at a time without, without adjusting anything. You know, it was just, they needed to, to kind of just warm up to it. Yep. Absolutely. I learned that, I had a learning
2: moment with that, uh, over the summer, I did a sub substitute gig for, uh, the band Lotus. I needed a monitor engineer and it was my first time, I think ever, I I definitely didn't tell them this before they hired me, (laughs) but I think it was my first time ever doing a dedicated in-ear monitor gig. And it was three nights in a row. It was at their own festival. They were headlining every night and um, uh, things went great. But my, my learning experience was doing a show with in-ears in the entire time. I don't think I've ever done that when I, I came up as a monitor engineer, but you know, we were using twelve AMs and analog desks, and you know, in ears were still sort of a, a, a novelty that like at that it's
0: point. You <laughs> analog <laughs> desks, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> but you know, you know what I'm getting at. I was not yes. spending. I was not spending gigs at my local club uh, doing detailed in ear mixes mm-hmm. for three nights in a row. So it was a whole new experience for me, and I found that I had that experience every night. Where, when they first started playing and I had the in-ears in, I was just like, why does anyone do this in-ear thing? It's horrible. Everything's so microscopic. <laughs> it sounds like garbage. There's some, I I don't know what it is. I didn't look into it, but it seems like there's some sort of compression or something that's happening when you're going wireless. And, um, well, it depends on
1: what you're using. Yeah. That's what's yeah. Possible.
2: But I was just like, why, why are they doing this? And, you know, they play these long, like two-plus-hour sets and, by the end of the show, and then
1: I take a break into another two plus hour set. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> By the end of the show, or not even the end of the show, an hour into it, I thought it was incredible. Even though I hadn't really changed anything, it was just my mm. ears getting used to it. And I was like, once I settled into it, I was like, wow, I can hear every detail and every nuance of everyone's playing without all this external noise. And I did. That sort of informed that whole like, you know, take some time first, let your ears settle in before you start making making cuts on your eq or whatever
3: yeah i mean that's awesome advice i hope people will take note of that i i did monitors recently and um it was the same thing it was just like it's very very rare that i am with ears in for two hours straight like that's that's almost never nope. what my job is and you know like third song i was like wait a second i got you know another mix here that's not doing anything i'm gonna make myself a mix and as soon as i did that i was like my night like became so much more fun and i like made it i made the show sound exactly like i wanted to me even though that wasn't what any of the artists wanted and all of a sudden it went from like yeah let's just do this gig to like wow i'm having a great time like i really enjoy myself and and it it was very um engaging yeah. you know i kind of like got cued into it, this subtle stuff that the drummer was doing like i was able to enjoy the show at a lot deeper level than i would have been otherwise and it was um, on a musical an level. interesting experience I yeah love very much that. so i love yeah, doing
0: it with a yeah. q wedge too man like especially when you're sitting on the side of the stage and you might have your pack on and off and blah 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 like yeah i love having the, a little kick drum over there like it makes you feel a little bit better it's weird because we always talk about front of house you know people moving to monitors a little bit but usually it's monitor people moving to front of house like i love doing both man like I really embrace monitor world now. It's fun. Like you don't have to walk through people. There's no slippery popcorn or nothing.
2: It, it, <laughs> hey, get on a really small crew like me and you
0: can't. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I did both on a, on a couple tours, but I had the situation you did with iPad on stage, uh, taking care of one of the guitar techs was taking care of everything. Um, and it yeah. was awesome. Like the only thing that I really had to go check was the room with the vocals um, depending on, you know, what was going on and changing verb times and, and, and stuff like that, you know, still take all my normal measurements, normal microphone placements with an organic band. Like you work with, do you have to go up on stage a lot and just take the iPad with you and, and talk to your artist? Or are you pretty set to where you can do like hand motions from stage or, or how do you, how do you work that? They're,
2: they're pretty, good with knowing themselves although one of my new year's resolutions is um we finally got a spare ear pack that matches theirs and uh i i'm gonna build some extra time into the next few shows to kind of like really get to know where what their mixes sound like on stage because the thing that the thing that happens is you know i'm up at front of house and my primary goal every night is to bring that music to the audience right those are the people that bought tickets. I mean, if the if the guys are struggling, obviously it's not going to translate. So the monitor thing's important as well. But I'm I'm out there trying to make it sound great for the audience, and I usually during the show only check in on their monitor mixes if uh, it seems like there's a problem.
0: Like, like draft, if you see them reach you know? into their pack to turn it up or down, or do they pop ears? Like, what what's your in? End-
2: just if i can see yeah you know you see you see a lot of that but i see that on a normal basis anyway but just if i can see that someone's getting really frustrating like they must be thinking that something's missing out of their mix or something's really out of whack or something that's when i'll start to maybe try to dig in but i'm always scared to stay in that world for too long when there's you know 1500 people out front uh that you know, I'm constantly making one, two dB adjustments to channels to to keep everything out of balanced, crossing you know? fingers. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go, yeah. I don't like crossing fingers, yeah. Um, uh, but one thing that we've talked about a lot, and I think you know, getting these spare ear packs in will help with this to some extent, but everybody hears things differently, like in addition to in addition to the difference between me standing in front of house versus me standing right next to the guitar amp and the difference between ear pack, you know, ears, uh, model a and ear model B, there's just differences in how people hear that you'll never get a handle on. You'll never get a handle on it. And, you know, us, you guys, you probably know more than the average person about how you hear. I know, I know that I do. Like there's, there's things that I know are kind of weird about me because uh, there were times where they gave me sort of anxiety about like, oh, is my hearing going bad or what's going on? And I went to the doctors and I talked to them about it, and they're like, they're like, no, you just think about hearing. No one else thinks about hearing. Like,
3: it's just, <laughs> they're
2: just hearing. They're not thinking about hearing. They're just hearing. You know. So I, so I usually don't tell so, people
0: about the voices, but sometimes, you know. <laughs> and then, check this out it's it's funny you say that because i remember back far far long time ago i mean there was like black and white tv people were just getting colors like um
3: how did you keep warm before i you don't know it was fire, crazy how? i didn't have this beard
0: <laughs> so my face was always cold but <laughs> <laughs> when I was a little kid, I used to lay in my bed and listen to every sound in the house. Every like I knew when my parents were up, like what board was creaking, I knew wind was blowing on what side of the house. And it and it's strange because you have kids too. My daughter does the same stuff I do. Like I'll i co- I'll go in her room and she's like, Dad, I knew you were coming. Like and, mm-hmm. and I think that's inherently we, we're always thinking about our ears and And that's a good topic. Like I never really thought about that until I saw my daughter do it. And I was like, what are you doing? And she goes, dad, I'm listening. And, and it was really cool. Like Mm -hmm. that was a six year old or a five year old, but I did the same thing. And I think we do it all the time. Like, um, it's crazy. It never stops. You can't turn it off.
1: (laughs) Uh, well, speaking of the same thing, like, um, I've been working on mixing this small side project or whatever, and so, like, I'm playing in a car, my wife's getting pissed off because she's hearing the same song (laughs) 10 times, right? And, um, and no, and like, and and we're driving down the road, all of a sudden, like, I lean towards the middle of the car and I come back, and like, and then, like, and then, like, I'm and and I'm going back and I'm playing like their live album, right? Because I'm I'm mixing a live thing, I lean towards the middle of the car, come back, she's like, What "What is your, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm listening, she's like, What do you mean? She's like, Like no, I like I have to be in the middle of the stereo image. I'm trying to see how they pan their guitars on their on their produced live album, so that I could do that. How you know what I mean? It's like, did they go full hard out? She's like, what are you talking about? Like same thing. It's like here I am riding my car, like I'm leaning in my car just to hear. You know, so our significant
0: others. I'm sure this goes for a lot of people. All think we're like super cool because oh man, he works in rock and roll and with bands and sound systems and stuff like that. She's over, and then they just figure out that (laughs) they were fucking nerds. Like. Oh, my God. You're (laughs) complaining about that speaker in the pizza place again? Oh, God. (laughs) My
3: my family has learned the hard way. Don't ask me. How I thought the show sounded, no, unless you actually want to an answer. Yeah, don't don't ask an audio engineer how the out. sound was. Like, my oh. wife
1: gets pissed off because we're we'll watch, we watching TV or a movie, and I'll see a microphone or this that, and the other, like or something stupid. I'm watching this uh, this a new Kevin Hart thing on Netflix, and he goes on Ellen DeGeneres, and they um they pan over this console, and a guy pushes up a fader, he walks out. there's a lighting <laughs> console. And I'm like, that's a lighting console. Like that's not no. Like I, I can't I can't stand inconsistencies like that. And she's like, oh, shut up. Like. It's doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> I think the I think the
2: obsession can uh, can can bite you in the ass sometimes too. I have a funny story about uh, I was out with an artist and they were uh, they were trying to put out a live compilation record, and they were just obsessing. The, the artist was new to me, and they were just obsessing over like this take versus that take, and and then like this mix versus that mix of the take, and like. The entire tour it was just all they were talking about staying up late at night starting early in the morning just talking 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 and they asked me my opinion of it and I brought it back to my room one night and to me an outsider uh, neither one stood out uh more than the other one you know they were both they were both great they were both great uh it was two mixes of the same song so i uh This is a bold move. I I don't know if I'd do this again, but I was young and (laughs) reckless. I put the two in logic and I made a mix that was just going between A and B at like random times over the course of like, you know, every 40 seconds or something, it would go to the the next one. And, uh, and I sent it back intentionally, like mislabeled (laughs) and just said, I think this is my favorite.
0: Trickery.
2: <laughs> they all listened to, it and they were like, "That one does sound great." Which one wasn't? And I was like, "You guys need to stop obsessing." That's both awesome.
0: Did you tell, did you tell them what you did? Did you tell? Them yeah, what you I did? told
2: them exactly what I. Oh did. Oh my goodness! What did They're they say? fired.
0: Uh, well,
2: yeah, <laughs> and that band was the Wood Brothers. Um, <laughs> they they uh, no, they appreciated it. I think they probably, to some extent, thought I was a jerk. Nah. um But but I think they appreciated it because it was a little bit liberating in the same way of like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we really overthink some of this stuff and that's, that's our greatest asset, but it could also, it can also lead to sort of bad repercussions if you let it take over too much and not, not focus on
0: the Love music. It. The Love music, it. You know? Yeah,
3: that's awesome. Ah, Daniel, thank you, man. Is uh. Good to chat with you as always. Appreciate you coming down. Oh no, 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 we got two questions. Oh, Oh, that's right. We gotta wrap
0: it up. (laughs) Michael's (laughs) never Michael's never
3: done this. I thought thought that was a really nice I know. I I I was I was just really like relaxed and chilled out, man. That was cool. That was the new guy some slack. (laughs) shit. (laughs) All right. uh, shit. I gotta Okay, so well, we asked this time, we asked this question already, so I think we gotta do a different version of it, Chris. All
1: right. Well, ask something else then, or I'll ask mine. Doesn't matter. Okay.
3: Daniel, of all the places you've gone on tour is there one meal that you had that stands out to you
2: oh meals we've been touring with pretty strict protocols i really miss meals um um mm,
1: you're gonna have to edit out all my thinking here <laughs> well how about how about uh how about your amish buddies they, they got any good dishes for you no Almost the
2: cooking is terrible oh, oh sorry <laughs> although they are very good at eating like they were doing the organic natural
1: eating thing yeah, right before it was hip you know i'm not so, sure i'm not sure if the amish thing came up before we re- hit record or not so i'm not sure the context <laughs> but anything anybody All except i gotta say us, is so.
0: tasty cakes
1: <laughs> tasty cakes there you go um uh
2: yeah you know what um there's this uh this fellow that used to work at the independent in san francisco and he had gone deep sea fishing the morning of our show yeah. and uh brought in some oh tuna god cut right off the fish <laughs> completely undressed yes <laughs> just tuna right out of the ocean uh that's the that's one that comes to mind is just being absolutely one supplement. of my favorites dude oh
0: really I love <laughs> fan fresh cow? Tuna, holy cow
1: no kidding oh, i never knew that about you Dude, I, I if if i had to ch- pick one food group to live off of Oh, it's a food group uh, i i uh sushi i would live off <laughs> not of a not uh, a not food, food group, group. <laughs> whatever uh a what, what do you call a genre what uh, uh potato salad <laughs> <whatever>. tuna salad <laughs> uh, su- <laughs> ranch <laughs> no sushi uh, yeah i could live off of sushi like that would be like food group not group what what do you call that uh, um yeah, be. <laughs> genre. Yeah, genre. All right, genre. Anyway, fuck.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, Daniel. I think people it... putting all the food in genres. Oh, you know, really, those voices are back. <laughs> I, I, so we, we, I, I was here here last time. That's you true. Were here That's true. And also, didn't have this question then. um And I know you listen to the podcast, so you better be prepared. But anyway, uh if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, how would you define that? Uh, I would hope
2: that I've taught some people some things along the way that has enhanced their own career and well-being. And I you know, I mean like all of us, I hope I've brought some really great music to the fans, but I'm um, really trying to focus on the mentor mentee relationship yeah. thing going in both directions. Um, I'm really bold sometimes about calling people that I think I could learn something from and love it. And just uh, just asking away, and what, what, what's an example there uh, of one you did? Um, I think Michael is an example is. of that. To the be honest, SPL Police. Didn't I reach out to you originally, and I just and and I was like, I really like the stuff you've been writing on reddit or something about system optimization oh that's yeah that's right talking.
3: yeah yeah and you asked me if i wanted to come out to a show and it yeah. was really cool um and and by the way i'll just mention for the listeners daniel is signed up for our, our mentorship program so if you like the stuff he's talking about you want to learn from you want to pick his brain let us know reach out come um, on yeah that's the way yeah.
2: i the way that i justify my uh reaching out to people out of nowhere is by trying to pass pass along as much as i can to people that think they might be able to learn something from me be
0: safe out there man for sure get back to work get to work
2: thanks for having me (laughs) it's always great